take you so long to sip? I, I don't know. From from the cam crack. The cam crack. Crack. What's that slang? What's the crack? Isn't that an Irish thing? No. Right. Okay. You're not ready. But are you ready? Don't touch my legs. <laughs> Get off! What are you doing? Pulling your sock off. Well, don't pull my sock off. <laughs> this is the 50th episode of Ben's Bedtime Stories. Woo! Can you believe it? I can't. Right. Okay. Let's get into this. This is your bedtime story. You ready for it? You ready for it? Put your phone down. I'm born ready. No, you're not. Put your phone down. This I'm... is not football chat oh, time. Oh, fucking heck. I'm not even talking about football. I'm talking this about is gym. Not... No, this is not gym time. This is... Look. Look. Jim is a friend of mine. <laughs> this is <laughs> the one hour of the week that you have to pay attention and listen to me. So Hey, I always pay... <laughs> Fuck you. Don't you dare paint that image out of me. No, you sit here no, half the time fine. on fucking Stardew Valley. You spend more time and affection <laughs> on your digital pixelated dog than Don't you do me dare. and you're gonna sit here on a recording <laughs> and try and say that i don't spend any attention on you how very dare you you just enjoy talking about football a lot and this is the one hour that you can't be on your phone the unmitigated god <laughs> are you ready uh, you just told me i'm not ready you're see not. i was paying attention right this is um, a horrific story. I'm feeling a bit combative today. What's that mean? Like, just like, you know, mm. ready to fight. Right, okay. Get This will make you mad. Okay, this is a story about someone called Alison. She was born 22nd of September 1967, Port Elizabeth, uh, which is the eastern Cape province of South Africa. Uh, it's a major port known for its beaches. Grew up with the family, blah, blah, blah. regular shit. Um, so when she's 27 years old, it's December the 18th, 1994. She's had a nice day at the beach. She's gone back to her house with her friends. They've had pizza and they've played some games and they've had some drinks and it gets to the end of the evening and she's offered her friend a lift home. So um, she says that they, she she drives her friend home and she picks up some laundry from her friend's house that her friend had done for her and she drives home um, and the normal spot where she parks outside her house has been taken. So she goes to park a little bit further down the road. She's about to pick her laundry up and get out of the car when she suddenly feels a knife at her throat. And the voice says, move over or I'll kill you. So, she does. Obviously. Mm -hmm. um, he says he doesn't want to hurt her, he just wants to use the car for an hour or so. So, she moves over into the passenger seat and he starts driving. He says, my name's Clinton. And he's asking her things like, do you have a boyfriend? Um, which she's trying to sort of just stay on his good, good side. So, they're just having a bit of small chat. Um, he stops the car somewhere and a second guy gets in. And they drive her to the outskirts of the city. Um, they stop the car in an alcove. And he asks her, are you going to fight? 
and she obviously realizes that it's whatever they're going to do is going to be bad so she ends up um he forces her to perform sex acts on him and then he rapes her and the other guy at this point has got out of the car for a cigarette and he comes back and calls his name uh he calls his friend in the car uh franz and this is when obviously we realize that it's not clinton this guy's lied about who he is his name's franz and franz says to his friend do you want to have sex with the lady and the other guy's name is Tiens, and he says no i want to fuck that bitch and weirdly franz um reply is you can't talk to her like that she's a lady you must speak to her properly right after raping her yeah um and the next thing that happens is there is hands on her throat and they stab her in her stomach and her pubic area 37 times Tiernes is the first one to start slashing at her throat and Franz pushes him out of the way and slashes her throat a total of 17 times and they leave her for dead. They throw her clothes out of the car window and they drive off. Weirdly, she says she can't feel any pain at this point. Um, the thing that she can notice is, is the noise from her breathing through her severed windpipe. And she realises that she's injured beyond hope and she knows that she's dying so she had to make sure that they would never do this to anyone else again so she tries to write in the sand next to her and she manages to write franz and turns in the hope that if when someone finds her body they'll be caught and then she also writes in the dirt i love mum oh that's sad yeah she feels something wet on her legs it's her intestines She's been disemboweled. And her denim shirt is nearby. So she drags herself over to it. And she literally, with one hand, with her shirt, scoops her insides into this shirt to try and hold it close to her. And somehow she starts crawling. And what? she is... Yeah. With her severed insides? Yes. Oh my Christ. She's crawling over ash and cut glass and she can feel herself getting weaker. This mm. is when she hoists herself somehow to her feet and everything goes black. This is where it gets even grosser. She puts her hand, she's obviously got one hand in the shirt holding her stomach together and the other hand she lifts to feel where her throat's been cut and her entire hand goes into the wound they've cut her throat so badly it severed the muscle on the side of her neck and the reason everything's black is because her head has actually flopped backwards and was in between her shoulder blades oh oh no this is gruesome yeah How, oh. so she takes her hand and pulls her head up to hold it on. Just so that she can see forward. 
Oh no. And she starts walking towards the road, which is where she collapses. And at this point, she's like, what's the worst that can happen? A car's going to drive over me? Like, you know. Yeah, it'd just be a relief, wouldn't it? Yeah. So a car comes, she sees a car coming, and she thinks, that could be Franz and Tierns. And there's nothing she can do because she's got no fight left. She's literally holding her own body back together. So there's no way she can fight anyone off. Um, but the car drives off. And then another car comes by and it is a 20-year-old veterinary tech student who's on holiday in Port Elizabeth with friends. And the first thing he says is that he saw somebody in the road with no clothes on. So he takes her hand and she obviously can't speak at this point because you wouldn't be able to and he says he just looks into her eyes and they're so bloodshot and she looks so so frightened and he just says you've got nice eyes and he just keeps talking to her and um she says that this is like my night in shining armor he was trying so hard to keep her alive just anything he could say to just keep her talk like awake i guess um, he takes off his shirt to cover her and one of his friends luckily had a phone because remember this is 94 so that's just a miracle in itself that somebody even had a oh mobile phone on them yeah. yeah so they phone the emergency services and they're about 15 minutes away from the hospital they end up waiting 20 minutes they wait 30 minutes and they wait 40 minutes and then eventually the paramedics turn up um the man gets in the ambulance with her. His name is Tian Aylerd. Um, He gets in the ambulance with her and he, he says to him, he's like, look, you need to drive faster. But he says that they're not really... Um, they've got no sense of urgency. And they've... Obviously, always... it took them 40 minutes. It's supposed to be an emergency service. Well, yeah. It's he not says very urgent, is it? They, it's almost like they've just decided she's not going to make it. So what's the point in rushing? Um, they get to the hospital and this is the first time that because he has to, that he actually lets go of her hand. He's been with her the whole time. And from the start of her abduction to get into hospital, it's only been 90 minutes. This has all happened so fast. So Tian says that this impacted him a lot um, mentally, seeing this. Well, obviously. And it was at that moment that he decided that he wasn't going to be a vet. He was going to become a doctor one day, which is nice. So the so I'd read about this story and this is when I found um, the documentary on it, which is where I'm getting a lot of this from. She has got a book, this person who is definitely going on my Amazon list. Um, and in the documentary, the doctor is talking about the, the anaesthetist, how do you say it? Anaesthetist? Anaesthetist, that's the one. Um, he's saying that they obviously see a lot of trauma, but nothing has ever come like the injuries that Alison had. Um, he's, he's in tears when he's talking about it. He says her throat was slashed from ear to ear. Her trachea and windpipe had been cut through and she was breathing through a gaping hole just above her collarbones. Uh, look, how she's even alive at this point, I don't even know. Yeah, it's a miracle. Yeah. Um, and that's when the junior doctor says to him, Doctor, that's not all. And he gently pulls down the sheet to show her abdomen. She's been completely disemboweled and there's literally just loops of intestines sitting on top of her stomach. And not only that, but it's obviously covered in loads of crap from the floor. So there's like beach sand and lumps of charcoal. Oh. Um, just, yeah, all in it. Not good. 
So... Like, if that was a roll that you dropped on the sand, you'd mm. chuck it in the bin, wouldn't you? Like, yes. You'd try, it's just not worth the hassle. I went off croissants for so long because when we went to the beach as a kid, I got sand in one. And for years after, whenever I bit into one, all I could taste mentally in my head was sand. But can you imagine the intricacy involved in having to, to clean, clean someone's intestines? Yeah. Not good. I mean, it's obviously intricate, like, yeah. any sort of surgery you have to do. But... Yeah. Um, so they look carefully inside her abdomen and realise the extent of her injuries means that she will never bear children. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Takes... I, I'm, I'm, I work in customer liaison, I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah. So they take the surgeon aside and the anaesthetist says, okay, we're going to, you probably need to call the ENT surgeon to do the neck and then you can deal with the abdomen. And this is when he says, almost. Um, like military kind of style the the doctor looks at him pulls himself up and says i am trained in ent and general surgery i i can do this i'm going to do both and the surgeon says that just the sheer cruelty of her injuries is what got to him because they see things like motorcycle accidents and car accidents but something that's been inflicted by another human being is what yeah is what got to him um he says he couldn't believe how Alison actually signed the consent form for her surgery and wrote down her phone, her mum's phone number. Clear as anything. You would not have known that she had even a paper cut. How she did that, I don't know. And he says that people with such strength are difficult to find nowadays. So, when you said about cleaning, they had to use a scrubbing brush to clean her intestines. Oh, my. I mean, obviously she's been knocked out at least yeah, by this point, but... so... That's pretty oh, rough. Um, before you can't, you can't imagine how you'd feel waking up from that. No. So this, and then they can place them back inside of her. Um, oh Christ! On her neck, there was there's obviously blood vessels that supply blood to the head and the brain, and they somehow weren't severed. If they were severed, she would have hemorrhaged and died within three or four minutes. Um, there's also nerves that come down from your neck to supply um, signals to the important organs. None of them were damaged. Fucking hell. Uh, her esophagus was completely undamaged, but her trachea was severed and somehow healed perfectly. It's trachea. Trachea, okay. She had stab wounds to her chest and luckily none of them penetrated her lungs or heart. And... In her abdomen where she'd been stabbed, none of her inter- internal organs were damaged, which I think is incredible that her intestines weren't just chopped to bits. Yeah. Um, so the police come to the hospital the next morning, and Franz is already known because he was arrested for a previous rape. And the police give Alison a book of faces to look at, and she points, and she's writing because she can't speak still. Um, she points to a face and writes Franz underneath it and the same with Tjerns and the police spoke to the doctor and says this case would be a lot stronger if Alison could verbalise the two suspects rather than just write them down and the doctor says and I was horrified at that it meant I'd have to remove the tube from her lungs which are helping her breathe which means she's unable to speak but I'm apprehensive about doing that because it's it could rupture her tra- trachea, mm-hmm. suture, and it could jeopardise all of the work the surgeons have done to like heal her back together. Um, 
So the doctor, and and that's disgusting. Like, what what is the difference yeah, between difference whether she writ it or said it? she could it? never speak. Yeah. So the doctor describes the situation to Alison, and she writes down, "Take it out." So he removes the tube, and he says the first thing she says is, "That's wonderful." My attackers were frowns and turns. She says that's wonderful. Yeah, as in What's to get it wonderful? out. Oh right. Yeah. Like the relief. Yeah. So she's. Wow. Discharged from intensive care to the general ward, and that was the last time that that doctor says that he saw her. Um, so her care was moved on, and a couple of days later, she had some work friends visit her, who are obviously trying to psych themselves up for going to see her. They know she's going to be in a in a state, and uh, one of them starts crying. And Alison says, "Don't worry, guys. I didn't even crack a nail." And she holds up her hand and her friend says there's like dried dirt and blood under underneath her nails and her eyes are all bloodshot um, from like the burst blood vessels in her eyes. And she's hurt all over, but she just doesn't want them to cry, um, which was really sweet. There were so many people that sent her flowers and letters and wishing her well that she had to thank people collectively in the newspaper. Um, and she left hospital, but it wasn't easy going after that because um, she had to return every day to the hospital for her wounds to be treated and her abdomen and this is horrific because they show you photos of her going through all this they had to scrape her abdomen until it bled every day so that it would encourage new cells to grow there to like grow skin Um, and then that obviously meant that she had to have certain plastic surgeries later and she says that to her recovery meant pain all day, all night, she couldn't sleep. She was just in constant physical pain for months after this. So one of the policemen who dealt with this case was called Melvin. And he said that before Alison, there were two other women that were raped the same night. And the first person was threatened by the man saying they would kill her if she reported it. So she reported it a week later. The second person was pregnant. And she went straight to the police. And it was Franz who'd committed these rapes. So they bring him in. And he's surprised at this point when they say, you know, that they're going to be charging him with three rapes and an attempted murder. And he's really shocked, like, what do you mean attempted murder? And this is when the police goes, Alison's still alive. Because he obviously thought he'd left her for dead. Yeah. Um, and he said, you could have knocked him down with a feather. So Fran says, well, I'm not going to hide anything from you then because she's going to tell you everything. And I don't know why this pisses me off so much. At this point, he takes off his ring and says, that belongs to Alison. And there's still Alison's dried blood on this ring that he's been wearing. That he's nicked off her. Not that she's going to want that back now. Like. No. Um, makes it even worse. Franz had left his wife and child at home that night to go out and rape women. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, for the trial, they had to get Alison to see a clinical psychologist and she said it just wasn't the right time. It was only six months after her attack and she just wasn't ready, which I think is like a common thing with anything traumatic. You can't just... I think maybe your brain needs time to process things. Like, in such a... Six months is such a short time for something so... Dramatic. Ter- yeah. So dramatic to suddenly have to, like... You know, Six years yeah. is to like just to ever be able to process that is obscene. Mm. Yeah. So 
and, and at this point she says it's obviously like reliving it again because she has to keep going back to the police for tests all the time like dna tests and stuff um which she said wasn't nice so the law at the time was that the victim had to place a hand on the shoulder of the perpetrator and have a photo taken to prove that they have pointed out their suspect in court. Thoughts, please. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anything that doesn't include the word fuck. Yeah. Like, what the... So... Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just... So... <laughs> How do you pose for that photo? How do you make that up? Like, where did you land on that? Yeah. Oh. And this wasn't even that long ago. No, uh, less than 20 years ago. What we're now, 21. So, what, 16 years ago? Yeah. No, that is absolutely not right. That's not 16 years ago, is it? No. Because I am nearly 29, and, and I was born in... Two, in 1992 let's ignore that maths lesson yeah. no maths lesson right now so they've never used it before but this is when they started using one wine glass for you to identify someone Good. and that's the norm today but it's still petrifying because it's i guess to you it looks like you're just looking through a window even though they can't see you you can obviously still see them which is not nice um and allison said every second in that room was too long which yeah, understandable. Franz testified in court that he was a Satanist, that he believed in Satan. Um, not the definition of Satanist, but that's another time. So they said this is quite doubtful. So in jail, he requested a pastor to cast the demons out of his body. And they had to let him do that. So a pastor came and performed an exorcism on him. America. Yeah. No, this is South Africa. Oh. Yeah. Um, it sounds American though, doesn't it? It's crazy. It does. So he testified in court about, the, the pastor did, he said in court about this, two demons, Incubus, which is, I'm assuming where the band name comes from, and Succubus. Yeah, that wouldn't have been a very which, good name. No. Maybe that's like a like, tribute band. Maybe. Like, um. <laughs> like an all gay Incubus tribute band. <laughs> yeah, like, um, Green Hay or. Do you know what I mean? Like when they have, oh, what's that other one? There's a there's a Nirvana tribute band that something like smells like something. I don't know. I can't think. The best the, the best tribute <laughs> band name I've ever heard is, you know, Call Me Malcolm. Mm -hmm. They used to be in a band called Less Than a Real Big Goldfish. <laughs> Amazing. That's good. I like that. Uh, so, at some point they're asking about these demons in court, and he confuses the two demons up. And that proved that it was obviously not real. Um, demons are also not real. Shut up. So they proved that he was lying about it. Um, the day of the trial, Melvin didn't handcuff them. Because he said, go on, make my day run. <laughs> he goes, I would have loved to have shot him. <laughs> um, he says he doesn't like hunting animals. He doesn't like killing. But those two he would have shot. And they were taken to the trial um, in no handcuffs. And on the 7th of August, 1995, Franz de Toy and Tjerns Kruger. Am I not pronouncing right. that right? That might be Tetois. Tetois, yeah, that sounds better. 
D-E-T-O-I-T-S. T-O-I-T. It could still be D-O-I-T. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. So, Franz and Tierns... I'm not South African. No. Franz is... I don't understand how this works, but he is sentenced to three life terms with no parole, and Tierns with one life term, no parole. Basically, because obviously life sentences aren't actually for the rest of your life, are they? They're like minimum term of like 20 years. So it means that they'd have to serve like three concurrent ones. So like they'd have to serve 60 years. Yeah. Uh, Not that it's really relevant to this, I guess, but Fran's father could not cope with what his son had done and killed himself two years later. Uh, The thing is, I feel for that. Like It's pretty rough because I guess nobody brings their kids up to be like that, do they? No matter how much of an arsehole you might be to your kids when they're growing up. Still like, your kid. And then to know that your kid is an absolute monster like that. Like, mm. Um, Alison falls, understandably, into a deep depression. And there was only two times in her life she said that she ended up with depression was, was after the trial. And um, when she was informed at some point that the papers have said there was a possibility that they could get parole one day. However, it was only when she was invited to speak at a Rotary Club that she spoke about what she went through and um, incredibly, she is now a motivational speaker worldwide. She goes everywhere and talks on stage about what happened. Overcoming adversity and everything. Yeah. Um... So, this is shit. So she gets a a letter from a woman in America. And she says, my daughter is engaged. And she's engaged to a man called Franz. And they are having a relationship whilst he's in prison. And I want you to help me. What, to like, talk her out of it? Yeah. Um, And she says it's absolutely disgusting because although he's in prison, he has free access to Facebook. I found his Facebook the other day. Did you? Yeah, found his, Yeah, found it. I'm sure it's him. Um, and there's quite a few posts on there like, I'm so depressed. And I'm like, oh, poor you. Poor you. Like, I'll stay in this hellhole forever. Please do. Yeah. Mm. Good. You shouldn't I be think, anywhere near people. I think they're actually married now, though, if what his Facebook says is true. So that's shit. How do you marry someone that does that? Like, I know, you, I understand that women, like, often have a thing about thinking men yeah, can change, people but, get, I mean... Yeah, people get obsessed with, like, prisoners, though, don't they? Like, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, fucking, it's a difference to someone who's done, like, a bank job or whatever, who looks a bit sort of dangerous and a bit of a right, because someone that someone. Fucking, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and this, really, you can see how upset she is on this. So she tries to do the right thing, Alison emails the authorities, and rather than... Stopping the criminal from having access to Facebook, the email that she sent is actually printed out and for some reason given to Franz himself. What? I know. There's just no justice, is there? Logic is they following there. I know. Um, The documentary I watched said that Franz actually contacted them for an interview, but he has some requests he would like to lay out. Number one, he would like... A forgiveness letter from Alison. You've got a better chance of finding rocking or shit. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> and number two, he wants profit shares from her book sales and from her motivational talks. Again. Because. Rocking horse shit. 
he believes he is the only reason for her, and I'm going to put this in little air quotes, success story. Oh, my God. I know. Have you ever heard of anything more delusional? It's just, it's... What a cunt. I know, I know. know. Um, October 2015. Oh, they declined, by the way. (laughs) Just in case you're wondering. That didn't need to be... um... Um, However, October 2015, they were eligible for parole. I've not managed to find out if they're out. I'm hoping they're not. Um, But we need to end this on a happy ending because... I cried when I watched this. Okay. Surprised. Ten years after the attack, Tian qualified as a doctor. And he was the assistant doctor at the birth of Alison's second son. Oh my God, I thought she was never going to have kids. I know. Isn't it good? (laughs) Yeah. And that is the amazing survival story of Alison Bother. The only way that'd be better is if I was his son. (laughs) I know I was watching it and I was like at the end of the documentary you have to watch it on Amazon Prime it's just called Alison and everyone that is interviewed whether it be her friends or the doctors she comes out at the end and she goes up and and surprises them and gives them a hug and as soon as her and that doctor hug I'm like why aren't you two together (laughs) (laughs) Um, she said her marriage unfortunately didn't work out but she has two sons and for that she is eternally grateful isn't it such a good story? Yeah. Like, horrific, but... It, it, that's genuinely, like, the bit about the fucking head. I know. Like, genuinely I hard know. to listen to. I know, it's awful. Absolutely awful. And there's a really moving part that if, if you do go, if anyone goes and watches this documentary, there's a really moving bit where she... Um, and you can see the look on her face when she opens this box. She's not touched it in years. And it is the clothes that she's given back from the police of her attack um and you can watch her taking out all of her bloodstained clothes and she throws them all in the bin and gets rid of it but it is such an incredible story i had to tell you it's been eating me up all week (laughs) it's amazing isn't it yeah so she goes in the badass bitches hall of fame with mary vincent Oh, I love it. It's my thing now. I'm making it a thing. They are just incredible. So, I can't think of anything happier. So you tell me your happy thing for this week. My happy thought for this week is... I went yesterday and I went to the pub and I sat indoors and I had a pint. <laughs> then I had another pint. <laughs> then I went to a different pub. And had another pint. And I had loads more pints. And <laughs> um, I mean, just things are getting to normal. Sort of. You know, there's still the whole thing about this Indian strain. Fuck off the this. Indian variant. I don't want to hear it. No, nor do I. But, we, you know, we've still got to acknowledge it as mm. lo- like looming in the background somewhere. Um, but, yeah, like, just... And like all the lads were like not all of the lads were there. What a couple of one of them was missing, but um, you know, like loads of lads were there, and and it was just a good fucking crack, and just like how you want it to be, you know, just everybody just having a drink and a laugh together, and yeah, yeah, can't can't Beautiful. beat that. 
Oh, happy. Happy stuff. And just in general, like, just, I mean, I might have already said this in the last couple of weeks, but, like, my new job is just, like... Better. It, yeah. Like, obviously, there's frustrations with it, and obviously, there's things that are not perfect about it, but honestly, it's so relieving to be working with good people. Not that the people at Connells are bad, but, like, just... Better atmosphere. Yeah, better atmosphere, and I just feel, like, a hundred thousand times better in myself oh yeah you can definitely tell like you know i'm back actually like there was a point when i was in this estate agency when i was so down like i put music on i wouldn't even sing along and mm. like i just i couldn't even enjoy that no and now i've got that bit of me back do you know what yeah. i mean that's good good that's very good oh well, i don't know how i'm going to top it for next week i just want another great story maybe we'll do some dead kids <laughs> just because he said earlier, oh no, this is <laughs> this better not be a story with dead kids. I'm feeling a bit, uh, what did you say? A bit vulnerable, <laughs> a bit vulnerable today because I've had too many beers. Oh, yeah, no, and you get like that, don't you? When you're hungover, you get yeah. a bit like put a Disney film on and have a cry. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to all the <laughs> Disney uh, Savannah Legend songs earlier, <laughs> awful. Shut Absolutely up. Awful. I'll fucking headbutt you. Absolutely awful. I'll headbutt you. I don't want to think about heads right now because all I think of them is hanging backwards. I'm getting blown out by 20 by Cleveland fucking Cavaliers on an easy difficulty. Well, I'm but excited because I can start reading my own books again rather than uni stuff. So we're going to wrap this up here and I'm going to go and continue reading Desperation by Stephen King. So we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.